So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. Today, I am joined by Yevgeny. He's the CEO and co-founder of Zerion which is making big moves in the DeFi space. We get into a really good conversation talking about um, his background in the cryptocurrency space, building tokens, building token platforms, how he found out about the DeFi space and why he thinks it's probably the biggest thing happening right now in the crypto space and what they're doing about it. Um, It's a great conversation. I really enjoyed. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Great. So um, why don't we go ahead and just set this up a little bit and just tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, how you got into this uh, blockchain cryptocurrency space and and kind of what you're working on right now. Yeah, sure. So we have been in the space for quite a while, actually. It it all started as as many good things are uh, from the hackathon. So I went to one of the first blockchain hackathons in Moscow and it was actually around 2015. Uh, and it was hosted partially by uh, by like our university and other other companies uh, like NXT, for instance. So we uh, I got my now co-founder Alex to join me on this hackathon. So we went there and we got a prize from um, now the co-founder uh, of Waves platform. So this is how it all started for us. Uh, we've been developing smart contracts since then and then iterated on different products. So one of the big products we started with um, as Zarian was the tokenization platform during the ICO craze. So we were helping companies to do the technical side of every ICO. So we did in total like 10 ICOs. Uh, and then as the market was evolving, we saw that the opportunity is actually moving more into the decentralized finance space. We liked it much better than what we saw happening with the ICO market because we were getting all the uh, pretty bad, I would say, applications and we didn't want to do uh, all over them, I would say. So there were only a few that we, uh, to an extent, liked. Uh, so that's that's how we got into the DeFi space and then started working on the current vision and version of Zero. Interesting. So um, you said the Waves platform, correct? Yep. And and yeah, I remember the Waves platform really had set up a platform for people to come and launch their ICO tokens on there. Uh, so that's interesting. So you were kind of working behind the scenes on that? Um, so this is not something that we were involved with, but uh, Waves platform, that, the original idea that they didn't have any smart contracts and they wanted to implement the basic functionality on the protocol level, like centralized exchanges, not being as an application on top of uh, Ethereum, for instance, but on, in Waves, they uh, included that as part of the protocol. So that, that's the direction that they were moving in back in the days. I believe that now they have shifted more into smart contracts, like full implementation of smart contracts on the platform. But we were involved in helping them to um, fundraise for their platform back in, in 2016. Okay, yeah. And then by 2017, they were going pretty hard and heavy, I guess, launching a bunch of ICOs and tokens. Yeah, I, b- I believe they did quite a few. I haven't heard of many major ones, but uh, but yeah, definitely they did. Yeah, Interesting. So you saw kind of a problem that was going on in that space where you just didn't feel like a lot of these projects were um, necessary, right, or whatever. So you kind of wanted to leave that and, and go find a place where maybe there was a better uh, product market fit. Yeah, that, that, that's right. So we originally, when we started with the tokenization platform, we were excited about ICO as a concept ourselves, like very excited because 
Uh, we saw how Ethereum came up as an ICO and it was a very successful one. There were a few others and uh, that's how we jumped into the space and we saw that not many people want to do that themselves, all the tech behind um, launching an ICO. But then later on, it turned into a, a craze, I would say. So a ton of people just jumped into it and not all the the good ones. They wanted to scam people from time to time. And that that's what distracted us from the space. And we we decided that um, we need to move on from the from the ICO space. And um, but still, we believe in the decentralized finance and open finance and access and access to a lot of people to investment opportunities and other things. So that's uh, we discovered DeFi as a concept, um, and we saw an opportunity there. Like, what what's the problem within the DeFi spaces, and how we can tackle it? Yeah, that's great. So, what what do you see being the problems in in the DeFi space that that you're trying to solve or tackle? Uh, there there are a lot. First of all, so we what we did and we just sat down uh, and tried to use all these decentralized finance protocols ourselves, and it was a pain starting from like. <laughs> the first moment and even though we were experienced already with uh developing on ethereum and ethereum itself it was still complicated to just like open for instance the cdp was a huge pain back in the days um and then other protocols they were also suffering from similar issues you know you need to know about all the concepts that um people are referring to when talking about decentralized finance they are actually not known by a lot of people and that's that's i think the largest issue because it's so much, it's like a knowledge gap uh, between what people should know to start using it and, and what is the current state of the spaces. So when we talk about the DeFi space overall, and you, you mentioned CDP. So CDP, for those that aren't aware, is uh, the collateralized debt position, right? So it's uh, you can open up a CDP on MakerDAO, right? Which would be like a loan. Is that, is that correct? Is that how you view that? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and so really the DeFi space is, is, is it predominantly just the borrowing and lending that's happening on cryptocurrency? Uh, I would also include decentralized exchanges into that space. They were created before the lending and borrowing even appeared, but um, I kind of defy that, define that as um, decentralized exchanges, stable coins, and lending and borrowing. So these are the, the primary ones, I would say, but then the... I think the last one that is that hasn't yet happened to an extent is synthetic assets, but it's emerging. Yeah. Um. So. So. Ex yeah. I guess the exchanges would be the first piece, right? So that's where people are needing to exchange their tokens. Um. And most of those decentralized exchanges, or I guess all of them, have really been built in the Ethereum ecosystem. So is is all of this happening in the Ethereum ecosystem? Uh, there's some development um, on other chains as well, and uh, especially in the decentralized uh, exchanges space. On EOS, I believe that there are a few decentralized exchanges uh, that operate live and uh, on a few others. So like, for instance, Waves that we talked about, they have decentralized exchange up and running and it's, it has pretty good volume. Um, but most of the lending and borrowing stuff uh, and all the complicated new things, they actually just appear on Ethereum uh, for a few reasons. Uh, I guess the major ones is just, first of all, there are a ton of uh, different tokens on Ethereum. So it's first a lot of different tokens to trade and then use as a collateral etc so these are the building pieces that are required to have the centralized finance you need to have different kinds of assets and then the next one is i think um, according to a few researchers so there's like 4x developers on ethereum than on any other chain and bitcoin is the second one so it just uh, in terms of the network effect of people working on specific products 
Yeah, I saw that. I saw that chart. So um, back to the problem that you're seeing. So um, you, you looked at the DeFi space, you looked at the different products and, and that are available. Um, and I guess the problem that you saw is that they're very difficult to use. Yeah, that, that's largely right. So we just believe that the decentralized finance should be accessible to people. Uh, but right now it isn't. Uh, so what we wanted to do is actually bring that to to the larger audience of people, not just uh, adopters of DeFi only. And and is that um, through giving them an easier like UI UX, like a an easier interface that makes it more accessible to them, or is it through like marketing or uh, how do you want to do that? Uh, yeah, so we there are a few different approaches how to address that. So we have focused on the user experience as our first uh, aspect, and simply because. Um, user experience is, some, is very important from our view, and we believe in that. Um, and we already see the results of that, so it's much easier to use, for instance, Zarian than a few others, uh, other applications. Uh, and a lot of protocols are sending us users because they are the newbies and they don't know how to operate in, the, in this whole space. Um, but um, in terms of other approaches, like UX, UX does not come just as a UI tweaks. Uh, and to make the UX better, you need to work on multiple different levels. So that includes both the backend and the smart contract. So we're, we're not targeting, we're not doing yet, um, as you said, some marketing or promotion of that, but it's more on the level of UX, but UX involves other aspects uh, that are behind the scenes that you don't really see when, when you just like see the nice UX. But in terms of like making this work, you would need to have um, a sophisticated backend system and the smart contract. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, you know, it's interesting because we have these building blocks as you've laid them out, right? Basically four, three or four, right? Exchange, stable coins, lending, borrowing, and then maybe synthetic assets. Um, and so you kind of have those four building blocks that can be then like um, added together. Um, but we're starting to see people are putting them together in different ways and coming up with like new creative use cases. Um, so that's why I was curious. Is it like uh, maybe just making all these easier to use or are you guys trying to kind of develop your own financial products based off of these building blocks or some of each? Yeah, so we, we're debating that internally about building our own financial products. And uh, the thing is that, is that we just don't want to rush with that. We see that a lot of people are actually working on something similar or working on um, products that would aggregate different other financial building blocks. And there is not much uh, reason for us to to jump into that right away. We just see that uh, it is it will be possible to integrate these as well. And I think I think that's a mutual benefit for both us, the company that develops the protocol, and uh, and the ecosystem in general. So right now, I wouldn't rush into that. And we see that uh, like yeah, all of the new things that are popping up. I would say like five different teams are working on the same thing. So. Um, we don't think that we should compete with them on, on that realm. We just better think how that can be presented to the users and that how, how do we increase the adoption of that specific new building blocks that people come up with. Do you want to talk about what, what uh, you're doing specifically, what Zerion is doing specifically? Can you get into that? Uh, do you mean in terms of like um, roadmap for the next few months? Or? Currently and, and the near roadmap? Yeah. Um, so we we just recently rolled out a few features uh, for completely new users to enter the space. Uh, so over the summer, uh, we created uh, like we allowed people to create an account using their phone numbers. Uh, now we have integrated deposits. We haven't haven't announced that yet, but now you can buy uh, from Zarian. You can buy cryptocurrencies right away. 
So these are the things that will make the experience much better. So you can just start off with Zarian without leaving um, to get Ether, for instance. Uh, but then now we want to focus on more sophisticated financial product that, products that are already available um, on the market. So we, we want to have uh, different things like set protocol, Uniswap pools, and Uniswap pools is coming next uh, to be viewed within Zarian. So you don't need to jump into like five different applications to understand how your portfolio is looking like. So that would be all included. Um, so apart from sets, um, we, we want to have DYDX, uh, lending integration, and other protocols. And that's- You said, you said uh, set protocol, and then did you say swap protocol? Uh, Uniswap pools. So oh, uni Uniswap pools. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Uniswap pools, I can uh, go into detail. Yeah. Um, but, so Please. Uniswap pools allows people to deposit liquidity to Uniswap pools and pools are meant for trading on Uniswap. So if, whenever you make a trade, for instance, uh, Ethereum to DAI or Ethereum to USDC, you would need to, um, you, you're using someone else's liquidity for that to make a trade. And um, liquidity providers, they are rewarded um, with 0.3% of the token of the trade size. And uh, that liquidity can be provided from anywhere. So anyone can provide this liquidity. And that's called um, Uniswap pools, and we want to have that integrated as a financial product within Zarian, so you can um, manage your uh, returns on Uniswap pools, you can deposit or withdraw liquidity from there, um, etc. So that's... Uh, so if I was thing. a user um, and I was using the Zerion, um app, I would then be able to take my um, tokens and then provide them as liquidity for this uh, exchange. And by providing those tokens as liquidity, I can make a percentage back. Yes, that, that's correct. You, you still, you're still betting on, that's a bit more complicated financial product because it's not uh, necessarily profitable if the price of one of the assets goes one way or another. So there is a risk associated with that, but um, you still earn on the protocol fees. So that, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to earn the 0.3% or whatever that is. Um, if the underlying asset goes up or down, then I could lose on the asset, but I am going to earn yes. on the asset, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So that's, a, that's an interesting way to do that. So we can earn liquidity. So it's, it's basically another way to earn against our tokens, maybe similar to staking or through, through lending. Uh, yeah, but it's, as I said, it's a bit more risky uh, because you, you need to understand that if the price of the asset is fluctuating a lot, uh, like the, the best case scenario is when the price of an asset goes up and then goes down and then goes up and then goes down again to the same level where you entered, you would just get the fees if, the, if the, now the price is the same as you entered the pool. But if the price was fluctuating, like for instance, Ether going up a lot, then you would lose on this pool because it, it would be better just to hold ether. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So when when a, when when you feel that it's in a good range, it might be time to take advantage of that. But in a in a strong bull trend, maybe it's not the best time to take advantage of that. Yeah, that, that's right. Okay. And then, uh, so that's interesting, the, the swap protocols. And do you think uh, over time, like lots of different application developers will, will integrate that in so that Uniswap ends up with a lot of liquidity? Is that the goal? Um, yeah, so they originally, the, the idea of the protocol was to open this up for a lot of people so everyone can deposit liquidity. Right now, there's only Uniswap that allows people to deposit that. So only through Uniswap, um, 
GSL interface you can put liquidity in or through the smart contract itself. Um, but we, as we will be integrating that, so there'll be more places to deposit liquidity. Okay. And then you had, uh, before the Uniswap protocol, you had talked about the SET protocol. And the SET protocol is uh, a protocol that allows you to build certain sets or like uh, um, different assets in, in certain, like, like almost like an index. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's right. So that was, I, I believe that was their original idea uh, to just build um, similar to like ETFs um, indexes. Right. But right now, I think it, it has a much larger use case, use cases and scenarios, how it can be applied, uh, because you can track different things, not just the prices of assets, but you can track other things about the assets that can be used to rebalance the portfolio. So, yeah, right now they have a few different ones. Um, so the, the sets are currently limited to what set protocol allows them, allows people to create on, on their website. I think the few first ones were. Um, 75% Ether and 25% Bitcoin or our vice versa and the ones that are trying to capture the the heights of the market and the lows of the market. So if, if like it's a, a rebalancing with, set. Yeah, yeah rebalancing set. Yeah. So um, is this something where like you'll uh, tap into their sets and bring those onto your platform or you'll build your own sets? So we are not planning to build our own sets for the time being. So we will be just helping people to manage their sets uh, within Zarian itself. And it's uh, all our, our features are actually based on user feedback. So we're just collecting what people are just requesting um, from time to time to implement within Zarian. So we are using that to prioritize our features. Okay. All right. So uh, what, what, what other um, things are you putting in there? What, so about then, the, what about the lending and borrowing? Yeah, so right now we do support MakerDAO uh, borrowing. Uh, but we don't support compound borrowing, and uh, that's something that a few people asked, uh, and we're looking into that. How how do we make it um, nice, and how do we make it work with MakerDAO as well? So this is definitely coming uh, at some point. Okay. Yeah, and on the compound finance side, we have only lending right now. So you can put your assets to earn interest, but you cannot borrow through Zarian. Okay. So we can put our assets on the platform. We could uh, maybe potentially use the set protocols to rebalance them or take advantage of different uh, Ethereum Bitcoin splits, um, provide liquidity to the protocol, do some lending, eventually maybe doing some lending and borrowing. So it's kind of like a all in one place to take advantage of all these DeFi applications. Yeah, that's mainly right, yeah. Okay. We just wanted to make it um, simple so you can compare different rates. So for instance, right now, like there's only one borrowing protocol, make, MakerDAO, but then once we have Compound, you'll be able to choose which one you want to go with. So like MakerDAO rate is, I believe, around 20.5% and Compound is, uh, I would say, 16. I haven't checked uh, just yet, but around that. So you can go ahead with Compound instead of Maker if you want. So um, when you look at the industry overall, so you, you kind of have this, uh, you have a little bit of history. I mean, you've been doing this for several years. You were, you saw a lot of different ICOs, um, you know, back in, back in that stage. So you kind of have this perspective of the whole market and ecosystem and at how this technology is advancing. So I'm curious um, what you think about DeFi specifically. I mean, obviously you're building in it, but um, do you feel like this is maybe like the, first kind of application that we're going to see to really start getting traction? 
Um, I think so, yes. Um, so I was, uh, to be honest, like around um, May of last year, I was pretty disappointed by the overall state of the market. So it was just uh, ICOs only, nothing else was happening. No teams were delivering any products mainly. And uh, it was just very depressing. But then um, I went to DEF CON and that was kind of like a, a bit of fresh air uh, because people, I, I just saw the emergence of DeFi space um, that a lot of things are actually happening behind the scenes. So that was very refreshing. And uh, we saw that DeFi is something that is very much aligned with what we believe in and how the space should be evolving. Um, I, be, I remember like all these ideas around decentralized finance, they were kind of already in the air for a long time. So it, since the origination of Ethereum, I would say, but uh, it was more, I think, um, kind of like the space was trying to shift towards Web3 uh, and that, the, that shift, I think, would take much longer time. Um, and DeFi is uh, something that we can already see the benefits of uh, right away. So that's why I think DeFi space right now is, is very interesting for, for everyone to, to join. Do you think right now, I mean, who is the user? What's the use case for DeFi? Is this like a retail uh, trader investor or are this more like institutional grade like products? Um, that's more, I would say it's it's uh, first individual. So mainly people are um, using DeFi space for its simplicity if you know what, what you're doing. So I, in simplicity, I mean by not the, the UX of it right now, but in terms of uh, the speed and um for instance, like getting a CDP is much is very easy for a lot of people uh, than uh, than just going to a bank and trying to get the same loan using your crypto as a collateral. So that that seems impossible to to a lot of people, and um, that's that's actually pretty much true for many jurisdictions. And um, that's why DeFi is like easy in that sense, uh, and it's much faster than traditional banking system as well. So that's for instance like earning ten percent on your dollars is, is a way to go i would say for people who know what they're doing yep so it's uh it's it's more for retail like individual traders and investors but probably that are more sophisticated that can really understand how to yeah. leverage these types of uh lending applications yeah that's that's exactly right and do you see that uh, growing pretty fast? I mean, right now, I think it's about what 500 billion or $500 million or so is locked up kind of like in DAI. And that's, is that, is that about the size of the ecosystem right now? So I think it's about um, hundreds of DAI issued in total, maybe even less than that. So around 70 million of DAI issued. Uh, the rest is like um, spread across different protocols. And yes, this is mainly the size of the ecosystem, but we can, and that's only the total value locked. So that's the amount of assets that are just sitting within the ecosystem. Uh, we can also look at the trading volumes as well and uh, just in general, how, how much people are transacting in DAI, for instance. So that would, I think, count towards DeFi ecosystem too. Do you have any uh, projections as far as like growth in this space? Like, what are you thinking there? Or what, what, are, what are the experts saying? Uh, that, that's a complicated one. Um, <laughs> we've, well, I think that's um, what what I can say is that I believe the growth will be compounding. So, uh, I mean, I'm not alluding to compound protocol, but um, <laughs> looking, at, uh, looking at the space, <clears throat> all these tools are coming coming together. So, uh, these building blocks, as you <clears throat> sorry, as you as you name them, uh, the more of them are available, the the more use cases we will have. 
So we'll start with just a few ones. It looks like Compound has uh, is one of the most successful ones so far. Um, and yeah, except for Maker. But uh, the, the, yeah, the proliferation of these different um, building blocks will drive the adoption faster and faster. Now I'm curious um, to find out a little bit more about about the company. I, th I think in the past you told me you guys kind of have like a remote team, right? Yeah. So you, yeah. So um, you have a remote team. Uh, how does that work being a builder? So for I know there's a lot of different people that are working on building different things. I mean, what are some of the challenges that you have being a remote team? Do you think, or or is that beneficial for you having a remote team? Uh, it's uh, it has its own advantages and disadvantages. Um, in terms of the drawbacks of having a remote team, um, the first one is actually I would I would call it having everyone in sync. It's just because when you are like a team of founders, for instance, sitting in one place, uh, you iterate on different ideas and uh, priorities much faster than the rest of the team, uh, and you would need to you constantly need to explain that to everyone. Um, so. You, you can keep them motivated to continue working. So that's one of the challenges. Uh, and of course, associated one with that is you need to, like team members should be very um, transparent and very, uh, like they, they should be self-managers in a way. So they should be able to work without anyone looking at them. So that's uh, that's a certain type of people, I would say. And, and it's it's been some time since we, like, uh, we we spent some time trying to find these people and I think we have them on the team right now. Uh, but there are definitely a lot of advantages. Yeah, so you can be anywhere, you can work, uh, if you know how to work uh, in a remote way, you can work from anywhere and that's that's great. It helps with your... How do you, you know, um, how, how do you manage uh, a remote team though? Like uh, how do you make sure they're working and doing their work and doing the, doing the work correctly? Are there some like tools that you use or is it just weekly checkups or how do you do that? Um, it's been, it's, uh, been through, through a lot of iterations, but, um, what we, in terms of the tools that we use, uh, it's of course Slack. We have, uh, three times a week, we have a full team, uh, sync in the morning. So people can understand what kind of tasks they should be working on. Of course, we use some, um, project issue uh, trackers. So like, um, Zenhub, for instance, it's an extension to GitHub or Trello as well. Um, yeah, we use actually a lot of tools. I calculated that for the last year, I think in total, it was like 41 uh, different service that we wow. use in, as a company. Wow, that's incredible. And so for someone who wanted to build a product um, and was thinking about doing a remote team, how would you recommend they would start? Like, is it a matter of like getting out, traveling to events to meet people? Um, are there like job boards that people can use? Uh, do you mean for um, for like kicking off the startup within the space? Yeah, like someone who wanted to build a remote team to build a product in, in the crypto space. I, I wouldn't recommend them starting with a remote team. So uh, if, like whenever you can, uh, I would just uh, suggest that you can go with a team uh, that you can sync daily. Uh, but it was a necessity for us uh, for a few different reasons. But uh, if, if that's something that you definitely have to do, uh, I believe you just need to spend a lot of time like first evaluating people when you're um, when they're joining your company. So you, you need to give them some time to adjust uh, and like see and constantly track their performance. Of course, of course, everyone will have some, uh, you know, um, complications with starting off. But if they are able to manage themselves, they they'll deliver results uh, quite consistently. So you, you should be looking after that. Yeah. 
And and then uh, you have a co-founder as well. Do you guys split that the roles up? Like one is like a technical co-founder and one is more of like the business co-founder or how does that work? It's actually three of us. Um, oh. So it's, uh, yeah, Alex and Vadim are my co-founders. Um, and yes, Alex is doing, he's a CTO. He's doing mainly all the technical stuff, um, including backend and smart contracts. Uh, Vadim is doing more business development um, and like speaking with our potential partners. And I do, I do the rest, like other things. Everything else falls on you. Yeah, I've been reading some articles lately that talked about like, you know, people should find a, a technical co-founder um, if they're not, if they don't have that technical role. So I was just curious how that overlaps. Are these guys that you've worked with uh, since back in the Waves days, like you've been with them for a while, developed good relationships with them? Yeah, that's exactly right. So Alex is the one actually that uh, we worked with on this hackathon and in the future on other on helping waves um and vadim was actually employing us a very long time ago uh, both of us uh, as just developers for his company for his previous company oh cool and yeah we're all technical that helps a lot actually to to just uh, understand each other better and like know that knowing the constraints uh, about implementing a certain feature we don't need to like you know explain that this cannot be built in three days we all know that <laughs> yeah, but having that patience. Um, it's also good. I mean, I guess you guys can get on the same page to talk about like technical issues that you're having and whatnot. Okay, um, good. Well, what what can we uh, expect from Zerion coming down in the future? Uh, what 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 are we? Where are you going to be? What's coming out? I know you have some big announcements you can't talk about now, but maybe they will be coming out soon. Yeah, um, we have a plan to talk about our fundraising pretty soon. So that stay tuned for that. Okay. Okay. Um, all great. Where, where can people find out more about Zerion? Um, I would first suggest our website, of course, uh, go and explore uh, to our product page and try landing some Dion compound or getting a loan in CDP. Um, then I would say you can go to our blog. So that's blog.zerion.io. And I think the major source of news for us, it's Twitter. Uh, right now it's like everyone is on Twitter, DeFi space is on Twitter. So uh, follow Zarin IO with underscore. Yeah, we'll make sure to link to all that in the show notes. I'm curious. You said go to the website and go ahead and just and start trying doing a loan or whatever. Um, is it is it free to use the service and then you take a you take a fee out or do we pay like a monthly membership for that? Uh, it's currently completely free, so you you only pay for Ethereum network fees. So that would be gas. So you would need to have some Ether on your account to start using that Zarin, but the rest is free. And then you guys, you guys have a revenue model where you take a percentage of the transaction fees or something? Yeah, we, I mean, right now we don't, and we actually don't plan to have that in the near term for sure. We, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of doing that way of uh, revenue generation, simply because um, it feels like rent extraction and uh, people can do it elsewhere for cheaper. And I, I don't really like that approach. Um, yeah, I, I believe we'll be the better revenue model for us will be actually providing more premium features that people can access within Zarian. So that's, uh, that's something that we are still considering and uh, working on. So like have like a free model uh, where you get some base features and then people can pay to subscribe to like more advanced features. Yeah, I, I believe that's the right approach. So for instance, uh, more sophisticated accounting for your DeFi portfolio, for the tools, for instance, that only people who are very sophisticated use. Um, I don't know, maybe some financial products that are not for everyone for sure. 
So that's uh, that's the things that I think we should be charging for um, because these are actually premium features and not just for basic transaction trying to make people use us simply because um, our interface is better. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially if they can just go go directly to those platforms, it makes sense. All right, great. Well, thank you. Uh, sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and make sure we link to all that stuff in the show notes so everybody can go follow up and, and learn more about Zerion. And that's definitely something I'm going to be uh, going to play around with and experimenting with and uh, keeping an eye on. Well, thanks for taking the time. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.